Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. So I have an ask for you today. If you're enjoying this podcast, what I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you want to leave us a five-star review, even better. If not, tell us why. We are really doing our best to make this show the absolute best it can be to help as many people to go offshore and inspire entrepreneurs and investors and business owners to move their businesses abroad. There's so much to be had in this industry. I love doing this work and I love doing this podcast, but we want to get the message out there to more people. And the best way to do that is with reviews. So if you have ever gotten one good tip, one good thing from this show, if you enjoy listening to us every single Wednesday or whenever you listen during the week, then please take 30 seconds out of your day, go out there, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It actually makes a big difference for the show, for the visibility, and really helps get the word out there. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Expat Money Show. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and today I have on the line a really special guest. He's a celebrity entrepreneur and best-selling author of Breakthrough Your Upper Limits on TV, What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School, and Speaking Game, Seven Figure Speaker Secrets Revealed. He's the world's top expert on creating celebrity positioning for authors, speakers, coaches, and entrepreneurs. He's a veteran of more than 88 TV appearances, including the Today Show, The Daily Buzz, and CNN, and he has helped his 600-plus students appear on more than 3,524 TV appearances. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Clint Arthur. Clint, how are you doing? Donald Trump could not be doing any better than I am if he was <laughs> staring at Kim Jong-un's firing squad and sitting next to Hillary Clinton in handcuffs. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That sounds like you're doing really good, Clint. Hey, there was a little inaccuracy. I, I've been on a media tour promoting my new book, Speaking Game. So I have now done 96 television appearances myself, including recently Fox Los Angeles and ABC Chicago and another station in Chicago. So the numbers have grown and my students have actually booked themselves on more than 3,529 television appearances that I'm aware of so far. So my my information is a little bit of out of date. I'm going to have to fire my researcher, I think. That was information I provided you less than a month ago. So 
things move along in the, in the world of television. Television is a very fast moving business and things happen very quickly. So that's why some of those numbers changed. Makes sense. So Clint, I would love to hear a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are. I really believe it began one block away from where I'm sitting right now in Midtown Manhattan. When I was growing up, I made up my mind that I wanted to be a person who went to the Wharton Business School. And I looked in the encyclopedia and sure enough, this was the greatest business school in the world. I had read about it in a novel and it was a real place. And I decided that's where I wanted to go. Because I thought if I could graduate from someplace amazing like Wharton, then maybe my parents would stop arguing so much. Your, your parents ever argue when you were growing up? Yeah, just, just maybe one or two times, yeah. <laughs> my parents divorced <laughs> when I was about 12, so yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when I was growing up, it was like, when weren't my parents arguing? So sure enough, I focused my life. I did everything to become the kind of person that the Wharton Business School would accept. And I graduated from Wharton with a 4.0 GPA in a major that I discovered while I was an undergrad there called entrepreneurship. And I go home to get the attaboys from my parents. And what happens? Sure enough, they get into the biggest argument of all time. And my dad literally slams the door on his way out of the house. And I turned to my mom and I said, you know, mom, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? And I'm sitting there in the living room of the house where I grew up, on the couch where I was a child, thinking to myself, what kind of a person have you become asking an obscene question like that of your own mother? And then I'm thinking, why isn't she answering that question? And then after what seemed like an endless pause, she said, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we went to for six years trying to have you. And you look just like that guy. Now imagine how you would feel. Everything you thought you knew about who you were in a split second, poof. Not only didn't I know who I was anymore, I sure as heck didn't know what I wanted to do anymore or be. So I called up the investment bank on the 87th floor of number one World Trade Center. I said, guys, I really appreciate the offer, but I don't want to be an investment banker anymore. That was the career choice of everybody at Wharton was to go into investment banking. This was the roaring 80s. And sure enough, what I did, I moved out to Hollywood. <laughs> and I started to try to find out who was Clint Arthur. I started taking acting lessons and going on auditions and writing screenplays. I wrote 30 screenplays and went on all kinds of auditions. And I can't tell you how many producers told me, you are definitely going to be the star of my next movie. And then I would never even hear from them again. And that takes us all the way through to December 31st, 1999. Were you at an ATM getting Y2K cash? Were you at a party with family and friends? I was driving a taxi. I was the Wharton taxi driver in the sixth year behind the wheel of a cab. And in the backseat of my cab that night were these two MBA intern students at Goldman Sachs. And I was listening in on their conversation. Did you hear about Mr. Carrera? He got to be a partner right before the IPO and he cashed out $100 million. I turned around and said, you guys talking about Chris Carrera? They said, how do you know Mr. Carrera? 
Well, Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity when I was the pledge master in my undergraduate days at Wharton. I used to make those little punks dance around the living room of the house with their underpants on top of their heads. <laughs> and now this guy just cashed out $100 million. And I was living on a little boat at that time in Marina del Rey. And when New Year's Eve was all over at like 6 a.m., I had picked up the last drunk and drove him home. And I went back to my little boat, parked the cab in the parking lot, crawled into my bunk on the boat. And they pulled the down comforter around me because there was no heat and it was winter. I had all my clothes on. And I pulled my stash of cash out of my sock where I used to hide it. So I, at least if I got robbed, they wouldn't get all my money. Counting the money, 511, 512. $513. Where was Chris Carrera tonight? Partying at the Rainbow Room. And I was supposed to be somebody special. It was not supposed to be this way. I cried my eyes out that night. And then I said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep wasting my life chasing a dream that is never going to happen. So I took all my screenplays took them off the boat, dumped them in the trash can, and set them on fire. I am never going to write again. And I dove into personal self-help work. I walked on fire with Tony Robbins. I did Toltec wisdom studies with Don Miguel Ruiz himself. I did men's power circles and ceremonies. I did everything you could possibly do to change how you show up in this world. And sure enough, as I started showing up different on the inside, so did the outer circumstances of my life begin to change. I got out of taxi driving. It didn't happen fast. It wasn't easy. In fact, I even quit taxi driving. Luckily, I didn't tell the guy that I was quitting. I went in, I handed in the cab, and I didn't show up for a couple of weeks. But then I ran out of my money. I thought I, you know, this internet website I had set up was going to make me all kinds of money right away. Two weeks later, that was the hardest part for me, man. Two weeks after I quit driving the cab, I was back to get another cab. But I just kept at it. I just kept at it, trying to change. And sure enough, when I changed enough on the inside, so did the outer circumstances of my life begin to change. Some things happened, and I got out of taxi driving, and I got into selling gourmet food. And once I started making money selling gourmet food, that's when I met a beautiful woman, and lucky for me, she believed in me more than I even believed in myself. She encouraged me to get into real estate, and I said, honey, I don't know anything about real estate, but I think I can learn. So I bought Rich Dad Poor Dad, I bought Carlton Sheets off an infomercial, I bought Nothing Down, and the next thing I bought was a fixer-upper house in one of the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles. I had $16,000 in cash that I put down to as a down payment on that house. And that was the beginning of my real estate career. Throughout the 2000s, I got quite fat and happy selling real estate and gourmet food. And that takes us all the way to October 2008. You remember what was going on in the world, Mikkel, in October 2008? Yeah, absolutely. The whole world was coming to an end, if I remember correctly. The financial crisis, and that's what it seemed like. That's what it seemed like. So that, that night, lucky for me, I stayed involved in the men's self-help movement. And I was at a men's self-help team campfire down on the beach 
right in the flight path of all the planes taking off at LAX. So what does that look like? It looks like 18 naked guys dancing around a campfire. And <laughs> I remember I saw this one guy jump over the campfire and I noticed he was really hairy. <laughs> and then I saw this plane taking off and I followed it with my eyes as it crossed over the campfire and flew off over the ocean. And then my eyes landed on the shaman pointing a quivering finger at me across the yellow and orange campfire flames. He said, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. What do you mean? I'm the most successful guy on this whole team, man. Eight years ago, I was a cab driver. Now I'm a millionaire. I was living in a little boat. Now I live in a mansion. You're already dead. You just don't know it. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but I could not stop thinking about that shaman and the words that he said. I mean, I'd wake up for months in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep. I'm already dead. What does he mean? And it came to be New Year's Day, 2009. And I sat down and poured myself a mimosa and I pulled out a piece of paper and a pad of paper and I asked myself a question that was inspired by the shaman. See, I had gotten in the habit of writing out a list of what do I wanna do this year? That was my habit. That helped me, that was one of the things that really helped me to become successful as a businessman once I started focusing on business instead of trying to become a writer and a movie star. But this year, on January 1st, 2009, I was inspired by the shaman telling me that I was already dead and I asked myself a different question. And Tony Robbins says that if you wanna do better in life, just ask yourself better questions. This was the best question I ever asked. I said, if this was gonna be the last year of my life, what would I want to accomplish this year? And I wrote down a list of the things that I wanted to do. And I was as surprised as anybody when the first thing I wrote down on the list was, I need to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School that helped me to become successful. Because I hadn't written a word since that night on the boat when I swore I was quitting. And amazingly, I wrote that book in eight days. And then I self-published it on CreateSpace and I waited for the sales to roll in. And boy, did those sales ever roll in. I mean, all eight of those sales rolled in in 2000. <laughs> and I was smart enough to seek out advice. The advice I sought came from a mentor named Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I said, Jack, how do you sell half a billion books? I said, well, Clint, you gotta, you gotta become somebody special in the eyes of your customers and prospects. You gotta become famous. People buy books from famous people. You gotta go on media. You gotta go on TV. Now luckily, this is, this is something that I don't say in every interview. I, I say most of the things that I just said in this interview, I say in most of my interviews. I think I said them particularly well in this one. <laughs> Sounded very good to me. What I don't say is that Lucky for me, on December 14, 2009, I quit smoking pot because smoking pot had put a lot of fear and doubt and insecurity in my mind. And by 
the middle of January 2010, when I connected with Jack Canfield, I had already begun to have confidence. And when he said, you got to get famous, I did what he said. That, you know, what's the point of having a mentor if you don't do what they say? So I called up a publicist in New York. She was a pay for placement publicist. Like if she got you on a show, you paid. That's the, that's the only kind of publicist you should really use because otherwise you don't get any guarantees. If there's no guarantee in life, I have found if there's no guarantee, then you probably are not going to get any results. So this lady booked me on four shows and I paid her a lot of money to book me on those four shows. And I'm sitting in the living room of my house in LA with my laptop open, watching the videos of me on four little TV shows one in Salt Lake City, Utah, two in Sacramento, and one in Phoenix. And I'm watching them with my wife. And I say, honey, what do you think? She goes, I think you suck. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah. <laughs> Very supportive there, yeah. <laughs> and it's harsh to have somebody who you love and who you're trying to impress tell you the truth sometimes. But I value the truth. And I, I said, you're right. I'm, I'm not very good. I need to get a lot better if I'm ever going to achieve my dream of having this book become something and getting on the Today Show and getting famous and I'm going to hire this lady to book me on 10 more shows. And she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you keep hiring this lady? Why do you keep paying her all this money? Why don't you book yourself on these TV shows? That was another great question. Really great question. See, it's the quality of the questions. And I was very inspired. I said, well, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to try. And so I started waking up at 2.30 in the morning and Googling different TV stations around the country. I would type in like Jacksonville, Florida, ABC TV on Google and then go on their website and search and search and search. And somewhere on the website, they usually hide their phone number because they don't want crackpots calling them up, bothering them. And I would find these numbers and call up these stations and say, hey, can, can I come on the show? And they would usually slam the phone down in my ear. But after almost three months of doing this day after day and my wife getting pissed off, you waking me up in the middle of the night, you're ruining my sleep. I got to get my beauty sleep. After about almost three months, I booked my first TV appearance on WLOX, the ABC affiliate in Biloxi, Mississippi. The funny thing is, this was such a little station. I called them up. This is how the pitch went. I said, hey, um, I understand Erin is the producer who books the guests. Yeah, that's right. Is she there? She's up on the roof fixing the antenna. I swear to God, that's exactly <laughs> how it was. I said, when is she going to be back? They're like, well, try like an hour. <laughs> so I called her up and, you know, when she was done fixing the antenna, I said, hey, Aaron, I'm, I'm promoting my new book, What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School. She goes, great. When are you going to be in Biloxi? I said, uh, six weeks. She goes, perfect. So it could be that easy. It really can. It, not always. And, and, you know, as you get to bigger, bigger stations, it, you have to be more professional and have a better pitch. But if you catch people in the right moment, I mean, everything in life, I believe, is sales. I really believe that. And if you get the right person who can have the authority to make a deal on the phone, it's possible to make a deal on the phone. And 
that has been my process of booking myself on these 96 TV appearances. Now it's gotten a lot more sophisticated. And when you're pitching producers in New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago, it's way, way different. You got to get past gatekeepers. But all of these things can be learned. These are all acquirable skills. You can learn how to have these skills. And that's what I've been teaching my clients, my students, my magic messengers, many of whom become my good friends. And I'm very sad to say I got a call the other day from a woman who was in my very first celebrity launchpad class. Actually, her daughter called me up to tell me that her mom had passed away. And this woman, I mean, every week I do a live coaching webinar for my students, teaching them how to be better on TV. And I play a video in the beginning of the webinar, kind of like the opening credits of my show. And this woman, Denise Cologne, who was in Celebrity Launchpad 1, is one of the snippets of video that I compiled into that video. So life is precious. And like the shaman said, we're already dead. And, you know, asking myself that question, if this was going to be the last year of my life, what would I want to accomplish? I was ultimately invited onto the Today Show. They called me. And I appeared on that show, and Brooke Shields was the interviewer. And they asked me a question on that show. They said, Clint, you have a great idea. You ask yourself a question every year. What's that question? If this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? That question took me all the way to the Today Show, helped me to realize my dream. And it can help anybody. If you live as if this is going to be your last year of your life, what are you waiting for? What are you saving the frequent flyer miles for? What are you saving the money for? What are you saving the time, the vacation days for? Why are you not doing it now? And especially if you're listening to this show, if you're an expat living abroad, you probably have a lot more get up and go, more gumption, more chutzpah than a lot of the people who you know back home. Live as if you're going to be dead at the end of this year and let that really empower you because that has been the superpower that has helped me to do all kinds of things. Because connecting with more mentors, Jack Canfield is not my only mentor. I've studied with every mentor. And what does that mean when you study with a mentor? It means you give them a lot of money to become their student. And I paid every mentor that works in the experts industry, speaker mentors, writing mentors, performance mentors, selling mentors, you name it, publicity mentors, you name it, I've paid money to help me. Webinar mentors, email mentors, video mentors, everything. And copywriting mentors, you name it, and I've paid them a lot of money. And those mentors have accelerated my life. And I noticed a couple of them were using very similar techniques in their marketing. And the technique was when they would talk at the beginning of their speech, they would say something like, when I was speaking in the arenas with Colin Powell and General Schwarzkopf and George Bush and Donald Trump for the Peter Lowe success seminars, that was a state a positioning statement. Another one of my mentors would say, I've had the great privilege of sharing my message on the same stage as Sir Richard Branson and Dalai Lama at great corporations like GE, Accenture, and Amazon. That was a positioning statement. I think that it's a million dollar positioning statement. I think that if you got a positioning statement like that, which positions you as a speaker who speaks with famous people 
in prestigious places, if you have prestigious enough places like GE, Accenture, and Amazon, or in arenas, and you speak with famous enough people that everybody knows their names, that'll make you millions of dollars. And I wanted that for myself. And the positioning that I sought out for myself was something of incontrovertible expert positioning. I wanted to speak at Harvard. And I set out on the goal of getting the opportunity to share my message at Harvard. And it took me three years to make that happen. Three years of pursuing the goal. And since then, I've had the opportunity to share this exact message, what I'm sharing with you today at Harvard for the Entrepreneurship Club of Harvard Business School, at West Point with Colonel Buzz Aldrin, astronaut from Apollo 11, the second man to walk on the moon, right next to me on the same stage. I've shared it at USC's business school in their Lloyd Grief Entrepreneurial Center. And that was a very fulfilling one for me because my daughter was a junior at USC at the time. And she came to see me speak that day at USC. And when it was all over, the professor gave me and my daughter each a hat with the Entrepreneurship Center of USC's logo on the hat. It's a genius logo. It is made up of a circle of red dots. And one red dot is outside and slightly higher than the circle. And I honestly believe that that is the key to success in business right there summed up, especially if you're an entrepreneur. But really, it doesn't matter. I really believe we're like penguins. You ever see penguins, Mikhail? Yes, I think I have. I think I saw penguins when I lived down in New Zealand. They all look the same. And it's very difficult to stand out from the penguins. And we're exactly the same as that. We're all doing the same stuff. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a financial advisor, you're a psychiatrist, you're an entrepreneur of some kind selling water purification or whatever you're selling. You're an author, a speaker, a coach. There are only so many stories and so many messages. We're all the same. How do you stand out from the circle? How do you get perceived as being slightly different and slightly better than all of your competition? How do you do that? And I have discovered that really there are just a few ways that you can use that are cost effective and that are effective and that get results. And one of them is going on TV news and talk show interviews with ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, or any TV station wherever you are in the world. My students have booked themselves on TV news and talk shows all around the world. One of my favorite ones was my client, MJ Jenkins. She's a breast cancer survivor and spokesperson these days. These days, she's become a national spokesperson for the American Cancer Society. And when she was starting out, she was completely nobody, but she came to my celebrity launch pad, booked herself on a whole bunch of TV appearances. Then she was on a vacation in South Africa. She called up the TV stations in South Africa and all of her friends were ridiculing her, making fun of her. You're never gonna get on TV here in South Africa. You're nobody. But she had 13 TV appearances on her media page of her website. And when she finally got a producer on the phone in South Africa, she got booked on three national television appearances while she was on vacation. Because if you appear to be a celebrity in America, then you are definitely a celebrity anywhere else in the world. 
And if you've been on TV in America, you can go on TV anywhere you are in the world. So this is a great thing for expats, wherever you are traveling, you should be going on TV, opening up opportunities, creating marketing videos for yourself free with the help of TV producers, just having experiences that most people don't have. If you want to be seen as different and better than most people, then you have to do things that most people don't do. And going on TV is one of those really, really powerful things. The other thing is speaking, public speaking. And if you can speak at prestigious places, if you can speak anywhere, like a lot of people, this is one of the reasons why I wrote my new book. My latest book is called Speaking Game. And it's, a, it's how you play a game when you speak. And I've been doing it all this whole time, but we'll go into that more later on. But if, if you can just get up in front of any audience and speak, you're, there, you're perceived as being a special and different person. But if you can speak at a prestigious place like at Harvard or at the NASDAQ Stock Exchange in New York City, Microsoft or Coca-Cola, these are all prestige speaking opportunities I arrange for my clients. And if you can speak at those kinds of places, then you can really be perceived as being different and better than competition. And that's the key to everything. We will just take a quick break. So I want to remind you to go to expatmoneyshow.com to pick up your free special report called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. We have had some really good feedback with this. It's actually a project I've been working on for probably about four years now and been offering it to my subscribers. And I am constantly updating it with the best and the newest resources for people wanting to go abroad. It is really amazing. I'm really happy with the work that we've done. And it's really different than a lot of the other projects out there or special reports or eBooks or anything like that. And this is one of the main differences. It is highly curated, it is highly condensed. It is not 400, 500 pages long and talking about every single thing out there and every single little detail. Actually, that doesn't serve anyone. Your best bet is always to go with the really, really condensed information so that you can connect the dots, so you can understand what's happening and how things fit together. And that's exactly what this special report does. So it's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. You can find it completely for free 100% free at expatmoneyshow.com. Okay, enjoy and let's jump back into the interview. What a story, Clint. That is unbelievable. I had goosebumps at the beginning when you were going through driving a taxi all the way to now appearing on NASDAQ, appearing on the Today Show. That's just unbelievable. It's all true, man. All 100% true. Everything I just said was 100% true. And if I can do it, anybody can do it because I'm the worst, the worst prospect for this whole thing. I'm just a middle-aged white guy that nobody's ever heard of with a self-published book in those days that nobody had ever bought. And why would they put me on TV? Why would they put me on a stage? How could I stand out? from all the other middle-aged white guys with money who want to make a name for themselves. How can I do that? If I could do that, anybody can do that. So let's unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about some action steps because I would love to go backwards in time and what were the specific things that you did? How, how would someone do something like that today? The first thing you need to do is decide that you're going to do this. One of my secret weapons of success as an entrepreneur is I don't have to see the action steps in the middle. 
I just have to know where I am today and where I want to be. I don't need to know the middle. The middle part is what's called leadership. When President John F. Kennedy said, I believe that we will send a man to the moon by the end of this decade and bring him safely back to Earth. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew where we were. He just didn't know the middle part. The middle part is what you figure out along the way. The middle part is what provides all the growth and the experiences. The middle part is the leadership. And you need to be able to lead yourself through the middle part. You have to start, you have to go through the middle part, and then you get to the end. So the first thing you need to do is decide that you're going to go on TV or that you're going to become a speaker and start making those things happen. So step number one is decide. And I'm telling you, if I could get and do all the things that I've done, anybody can do it because I was so nobody. I was so nobody. So these are all learned skills. This is not something you were born with. This is not your DNA or your blood or anything like that. Did it sound like I was born with any of this stuff when I was telling you this story? It's something that I want people to understand. A lot of times people think that you need to be born special. They see someone famous on TV or a movie and there's them and then there's us, the normal people, you know? But I think that uh, it's not always the case. It's not ever the case. I think that people are people and it's decisions that we make on a daily basis that really drives us forwards. I mostly agree with what you say. However, I do believe that there are some people who are special. These movie stars or superstar performers like Lady Gaga or Madonna or George Clooney. They do have something special or Kim Kardashian or and I didn't I didn't say Donald Trump because I'll talk about him separately. But all those other people I just mentioned, they are special. There's something really special about them. And most likely, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're never going to be Kim Kardashian. Like I was in an Uber the other couple months ago going to Celebrity Launchpad and I'm talking to the driver and he goes, hey man, I got to ask you, I mean, the way you talk, are you famous? Are you somebody special? And I said, I'm about as famous as you can be without anybody knowing who you are. And that's really the truth. There are no paparazzi camped out outside my door. When I go to the theater or to the movies or to the supermarket, nobody's taking my picture. Nobody. And it will most likely never, ever be that way because that kind of breakthrough pop cultural recognition is a special getting lightning in a bottle kind of a thing. But the good news is, is that in order to accomplish what I'm talking about, in order to be viewed as different and better than your competition and your customers and your prospects, you don't need to be a superstar. You just need to be as famous as me or one of my students. And we're just a little bit more famous than everybody else because nobody else is famous. Everybody else is doing all the same things. They're making YouTube videos like everybody else. Anybody can make a YouTube video. They are posting Facebook posts of pictures of their cats or their birthday party or their new car. Anybody can post those things or they're a vacation. They're going on LinkedIn and updating their profile. Everybody has a LinkedIn profile. You have to do things that nobody else is doing. When I go on Facebook, what I post are videos of me 
being interviewed on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, or videos of me speaking at Harvard, or videos of me speaking at NASDAQ, or photos of me and my book cover on the 75-foot-tall NASDAQ Jumbotron in Times Square. These are things that nobody else is doing. So I want to jump backwards in time for a second. So you say that, because I just want to unpack this. So you think that the Lindsay Lohans and the George Clooney's and these types of people, that they are born with something special, that there is something innate in them that makes them special, or this was a lifetime of behaviors that got them to that level? Let me tell you the true story of how I met George Clooney, and that will completely explain and answer your question. When I was 29 years old, I started dating this woman, and we went on a date to a bar in West Hollywood, California. We walk in the door and she goes, oh wow, there's George Clooney. Let's go say hello. I go, you know George Clooney? I used to date him and his best friend at the same time. <laughs> so we go over to George Clooney. Hey George, how you doing? This is exactly what he said. I swear these are the exact words. He goes, oh wow, Sarah, I am so fucking wasted right now. <laughs> She goes, this is Clint Arthur. I put up my hand to shake. He shakes my hand. She goes, congratulations, George. You deserve all the success in the world. This was at the time when he had just broken through with the TV series ER. And he had been on ER for like a year. And we chit-chatted a minute or two. And then we sat down and had dinner in the restaurant. And I said, how do you know George Clooney? And... She says, well, I used to be his agent for 10 years. And let me tell you the true story of George Clooney. I knew he was going to be George Clooney. And he knew he was going to be George Clooney. But Hollywood did not know he was going to be George Clooney. I mean, he had pilot after pilot after pilot. He was on guest starring role after guest starring role after guest starring role. You look up George Clooney's IMDB, job history, resume, whatever you want to call it. You look up all the pilots and shows that George Clooney was on for the first 10 years of his career before he got on ER. And you'll see that guy paid his dues. He really did pay his dues. And it took George Clooney 10 years to break through in Hollywood. They say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Well, I struggled and banged my head into the brick wall of Hollywood for 13 years and never was able to break through. And I think it was because I was smoking pot. I really do. I thought that partying was part of the whole culture. And ultimately, I think that that cost me a lot. But I don't know, George Clooney, I've heard George Clooney was a heck of a partier for many, many years. Maybe it's different now that he's a dad. I don't know. I'm not best friends with George Clooney, but I do know that he used to party a lot in Hollywood and it took him 10 years to break through and he did. So does he have something special? Yes. Obviously, George Clooney is a superstar and it even took him 10 years to break through. It didn't take Lady Gaga that long, but if you have something special, you can break through and become a superstar. But what I'm saying is, even if you don't have something special, if you use my mathematical formula for how to get on TV anytime you want for free, my students have been able to book themselves on TV at least three times each 
when they come to my Celebrity Launchpad transformation experience. Because I couldn't figure out how to break into showbiz the traditional way, but I have figured out how to make it all the way to the biggest TV shows in the world using my own methodology. I don't know how other people do it, but I do know what I do works, and that's why I'm able to guarantee it, and that's why my students have the success that they do. So would you put being on national television as the best positioning tool out there? Because I think of other things, like you're also a best-selling author. That has to have a lot of merit. That has to have a lot of weight as well, Clint. Mostly it is weight for positioning. Unfortunately today, it has become pretty easy to become a best-selling author on Amazon. And most of the value of being a best-selling author these days is for the positioning of it. And it is good, you're right, it is really good. And a lot of times what I will tell my clients, before you come to Celebrity Launchpad, I want to help you become a best-selling author and I have ways to do that. Or, and I want you to become a speaker at Harvard or at NASDAQ and I have ways to make you do that. So a lot of times in setting up the positioning for TV, I will position them with smaller steps first. Probably the easiest step to, to accomplish is to become a best-selling author on Amazon, and then after that, to become a speaker at Harvard through my own methodologies. And then we put you in front of TV producers, and you audition for them, and then you can become a guest on TV news and talk shows. I love it. That makes sense. So. I would like to talk a little bit about your new book that just came out, Speaking Game, Seven Figure Speaker Secrets Revealed. Can you kind of talk about some of the concepts that you explain in that book? Okay. <laughs> and that was one of them. Uh-huh. The make me wait for the words, I'm hanging on the end of my seat here kind of feeling. Exactly. Like, is he going to say something? Did I lose him? What's he going to say? That's a dramatic pause, that's part of what I teach. What I teach are different ways that you can use your voice and the way you say words. Listen to what I just said. The way you say words, and I just said them two different ways, to make it more fun to speak. Not just for you to have more fun, which I think is the most important thing, but also for the audience to have more fun when they're listening to you speak. That's what the speaking game is all about. How do you play a game with your voice, with your words, with your ideas when you speak so that you have more impact and influence with the listener, the audience, which enables them to be more engaged in your conversation and therefore you're more easily able to put your message into their mind because they're actually paying attention. Most people are too busy multitasking these days and the first job that you have is to capture their attention so that you can deliver your message. If you don't have their attention, then you could say all the smartest stuff in the world. You could be talking about E equals MC squared and four score and seven years ago and one small step for man, one great leap for mankind. You could say all the greatest things in the world. I have a dream. But if you don't have their attention, it doesn't matter. So the speaking game is a game that you play with your voice when you speak so that you're having more fun because even you don't know how it's gonna sound. <laughs> even you don't know what it's gonna sound like when it comes out of your mouth. That's the speaking game. 
I love it. So I'm thinking back to when I was a child, and a long time ago, I didn't realize that people had phobias or fears of public speaking. And we had to do a class presentation. We all had to do a four or five minute speech, and and I did mine in front of my class, and and everything went well. It actually went so well that they said. They voted. They wanted me to present to the entire school, so I did. I stood up in front of say 400 people, 500 people, and I don't know what it was, but at that moment I got freaked out. I got totally freaked out, and I stood at the front of the auditorium and I read my speech. And I mean, my four-minute speech, I read it in about 45 seconds,、uh-huh. just verbatim as fast as I can. And at the end. No one really clapped, and no one really knew what had happened. And so, and I spent maybe the next twenty years thinking to myself, "I hate public speaking. I hate public speaking. I hate public speaking." I would get afraid, and and the thought of it would make my stomach all nauseous and make it really tight. And I, I would never want to do these types of things. Then I started working in broadcasting with the podcast, and I started having opportunities to present on stage. Sometimes I still have these feelings that I did when I was nine years old, ten years old, speaking in front of a huge auditorium of my peers. Do you have any advice for me or tips for me on how I can get over this type of feeling in my stomach when I stand up on stage? Because they often say that people would rather die than do public speaking. It is the number one fear. You have a feeling in your stomach, huh? What does it feel like? Feels like I want to throw up. <laughs> One of my clients starred in a movie with Elvis Presley. She said, "Elvis, I gotta admit to you, Elvis, I'm nervous in front of the cameras when I'm with you." He said, "Honey, every time I go on stage, I get them butterflies in my stomach. That just means you're alive." True story. If Elvis could get a feeling in his stomach. When he's going to perform, don't you think that anybody has a right to experience some kind of feeling in your stomach?、It、just means you're alive. We all have these types of anxieties: performance anxiety, stage fright, fear of public speaking, that results in a weird feeling in your stomach. And that's just part of the game, brother. You gotta expect it. You gotta think about Elvis. Imagine the king getting ready to perform, getting a weird feeling in his stomach. If Elvis could feel it, you have every right to feel it. And in fact, you should expect to feel it. You should anticipate those feelings. And when it comes up, you go, "Up,、oh, there it is. All right, cool. I'm gonna be speaking soon. There's the weird feeling in my stomach." And I'm going to do it anyway. That's one of the beauties of being a speaker: is that you are going to get those weird feelings in your stomach. You are going to get stage fright. You are going to get fear of public speaking anxiety. And what is the definition of courage? The definition of courage is to feel the fear and do it anyway. That's what makes a hero. So being a speaker transforms you into a person who is a hero, a person of courage. Hmm. A lot to think about in that sentence. Well, I have been doing the the do it anyways. I guess I was always searching for 
some way to get over this, but maybe I just need to accept it, and it's part of the game, as you would say, and do it anyways. My favorite quote from General George S. Patton, accept the challenges so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. It's true. And the interesting part about exhilaration, like I remember after I was on the Today Show, it's a funny story how I got the Today Show. I told you I quit smoking pot on December 14, 2009. And the reason I quit smoking pot was because I went to this raw vegan retreat to try to lose some weight. Remember I said I got fat and happy selling gourmet food and real estate. Well, I was so fat and happy I was obese. So I went to the raw vegan retreat to lose weight. And in 2009, I lost, gosh, I lost 40 pounds. And it began with the raw vegan retreat where they say, while you're here, we don't want you to take any illegal drugs. If you're on some kind of prescription meds, that's one thing, but you shouldn't be taking drugs and you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. So I stopped. Now, after the two weeks that I was there, I went back to drinking alcohol, but I stopped smoking pot. Then in 2013, I went back again and I was booked to be there for another two weeks. And you check in on Sunday and on Thursday, following the check-in day, I wake up at 7.08 a.m. and I see that there's a voicemail message on my phone and I play the message. Hi, Clint. This is Allie calling from the Today Show. We were wondering if you could join us for a live segment on the air on New Year's Eve. Please give me a call back at 321 blah, 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 blah. And I thought this was somebody playing a joke on me. (laughs) I really thought this was somebody playing a joke on me because my wife's name is Allie. And this girl's name was Allie and it just didn't sound real. So I played the message for my wife. I'm like, what do you think? And she goes, you better call him back. You got to call these people back. They're, they're not waiting for Clint Arthur. She's not waiting. She's dialing numbers, trying to find a guest because New Year's Eve was just on Monday. This was Thursday for a Monday appearance. So I did some vocal warm ups, blah, 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 nay, 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 trying to warm up my voice so I don't sound like I'm asleep. And I dial her back. This is Allie. Hey, Allie, this is Clint Arthur returning your call. Oh, hi, Clint. Thanks so much for calling me back so quick. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure. Well, we were wondering, are you possibly going to be in New York City for New Year's Eve? I said, of course I'm going to be in New York for New Year's Eve. She goes, oh, fantastic. Would you be able to come in for a live segment with Brooke Shields on the Today Show? I said, I would love to. Would you send me confirmation by email? That's basically how it went. And I had to get on a plane and leave. I had to just pack up my stuff, get on a plane, and go to New York and just blow off the second whole two-week vegan retreat. The experience of being on the Today Show, that was my 57th television appearance. And I thought originally when I did this whole, when I started going on all these shows, my vision was if I could just go on enough local TV news and talk shows that I could work my way up to the Today Show. And what I tell my clients is when you get on the Today Show, I want you to have been on so many shows that it's just one more TV studio. Well, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, the Today Show is a very intense experience. There are literally a thousand lights in the ceiling, 10 cameras in the studios. In my case, 
a famous movie star, Brooke Shields, sitting five feet across from me, asking me questions. So I was nervous. I was nervous. But you have to be able to feel the fear and do it anyway. Now, the next day, I'm sitting in my hotel suite. My wife is out shopping in New York City. My daughter, who was in New York at the same time, coincidentally, was out taking pictures. I'm sitting alone in my hotel suite looking at the skyline. And I had to do a little errand. I I called up UPS and I had to open a UPS account. By the way, my wife and I, we run a seven-figure information marketing business with no employees. We bring in seven figures a year in sales and we're the only people doing it. And we do it from our iPhones and our laptops. It's the total laptop lifestyle. And you know, we spend two months of the year in Hawaii and travel all over the place. And I sometimes have to do menial tasks like opening a UPS account. And this was one of the times. Here I am in the exhilaration of victory. I had achieved my goal of being on the Today Show. So I'm, I'm on hold with UPS waiting for them to open this account. And I thought to myself, what would happen if I had a heart attack right now on hold with UPS? And I just died because there was no one to help me. And I was okay with that. Because when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the top of the pyramid is significance. It is making your own personal contribution to the world, your unique contribution. And my contribution was asking that question. If this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? And that still continues to be one of my unique contributions that I make in the world is sharing that question with others. I expect you as a listener to answer that question for yourself today. It will change your life if you really go after it. And it was interesting for me that the exhilaration of victory, a lot of times the exhilaration of victory, it just feels like anticlimax because you've spent all the energy in the moment of victory. And now all that electricity is out of you And all that's left is just kind of a dull buzz of stillness. That's one way to experience exhilaration. Wow. Very powerful. Very moving there, Clint. I think it's a question I'm going to ask myself as soon as I wake up tomorrow morning as well. Write down a list. Write down 25 things that you would want to accomplish this year. Don't edit Don't overthink it. Most likely, the answer is on the tip of your tongue. If you had the courage to do it, what would you do? If you weren't worried about failing or losing your money or looking like a fool, if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? That's the way you have to look at this. So what's next for Clint Arthur? You've accomplished so many of your goals. What goals are you setting for 2018 that you want to accomplish? It's a great question because I've been looking at my life and the work that I do. And I love the work that I do mostly because I love my clients. I love the people who come into my life as a result of the work that I do. But I'll tell you, like the work that I do with clients, it's either 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 
that's usually the work that I do. That's usually what my clients pay me somewhere in that range. And I'm feeling lately like that's an underutilization of my talents and skills. And I don't know what the new thing is going to be. I do know that what I do now is all stuff that I can snap my fingers and make happen for my clients with guaranteed results. Guarantee that if you work with me, you're going to book yourself on at least three TV appearances or you get all your money back plus $1,000. Guarantee that if you work with me, I can have you speaking at Harvard this year. We have Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, that Caitlyn Jenner is going to be with us at Harvard. We have George Ross, Donald Trump's real estate attorney from The Apprentice. He's also going to be with us at Harvard. And my clients are going to be photographed with those two celebrities, which is one of my maiden, one of my major favorite, best, most powerful celebritization techniques, positioning techniques. You want to be positioned as somebody famous, get photographed in front of a large audience of people in suits and ties with a super famous person right next to you on the stage. That's called celebrity attachment. That's part of what I deliver to my clients. That's fun for me. But I'm, I'm really, really feeling these days like I should be making a whole lot more. When I get a deal, it should be worth a whole lot more than $20,000. Now, the interesting thing is my whole career has been made up of singles and doubles. I never, ever, ever rarely hit a triple. I mean, I, I, can, I can think of one triple that I hit in the last five years. I don't ever remember hitting a home run in my career. I've never hit a home run. I've hit singles and doubles. And for me, singles and doubles look like five, 10, 15, $20,000 deals these days. Those are singles. And I'm just feeling like there has to be a way for Clint Arthur to be making $50,000 as a single. And I don't know what that is yet, but that's what I'm looking for. So what are some of the skills? What are some of the things that you had to develop to get to a level that maybe a lot of people would consider a home run? You have a very powerful tool in your hand right now, most likely. It's called a smartphone. On the smartphone is a camera. That camera, you got to get good with. You got to get really good with that camera. Taking selfie photos is one of the most powerful techniques that I have for building my own positioning because I take selfie photos with celebrities. So the first step is to get really good at taking selfie photos. And then once you are good at taking selfie photos, then you have to start taking selfie photos with powerful and important people. And then once you've started taking photos with powerful and important people like local politicians, local big shot business people, people who make you nervous, once you can take pictures with them, then you can start working your way up to taking selfie photos with celebrities and using those to position yourself as somebody of higher status than all of your customers, prospects, and competition. If you look on my website, clintarthur.tv, you will see lots of photos of me with very famous people that you recognize. You recognize their faces because they're the biggest celebrities in the world. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, John Travolta, Brooke Shields, Snoop, Ringo Starr, Mike Tyson, Chris Rock, etc. And getting really good with your phone is a key thing that you got to do. Then making videos with your phone can also make you a lot of money. 
when people join my celebrity transformation experience, celebrity launchpad, part of what they get is my members area composed of videos and audio training. And all those videos were made either with my MacBook computer, the onboard eyesight camera on there, where I would just sit in front of the computer and make a video of myself talking, or they are selfie videos that I made with my iPhone. And also in, in the members area, I have all these behind the scenes videos of my students and myself at local and national TV appearances around the country. All of those are documentary style behind the scenes videos that I made with my iPhone. So a great step for anybody who aspires to do any of this stuff is to get really good at using the video and photo capabilities of your iPhone. Yeah, when I was doing my research, I was watching some of the testimonial videos, and I think you must have about 100 testimonial videos on your website. It was unbelievable. And those are just the ones that I put up (laughs) (laughs) because I don't want to have too many on there because it's hard to load a page when there's too many videos on a page. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and I shoot all those testimonials myself with my phone. Got to be good with your phone. Then the next thing you really have to be good at is you have to be able to speak. So learn how to play the speaking game. And we have special offer if you get the hardcover version of the speaking game. It's $24.95. Oh my goodness, what a fortune to invest in yourself Mm -hmm. in the possibility that you can have more fun, make more money, conquer your fear of public speaking and become the confident, charismatic person you always wanted to be. Oh my goodness, really? Is it really worth $24.95? It is. If if all you got was that, it would be worth just getting the book for that. However, as a bonus, if you go to speakinggame.com, you can enter your Amazon receipt number and get the Kindle version of the book immediately downloaded for free. So while you're waiting for your hardcover to arrive in the mail, you can immediately start reading and learning from the Kindle version and a whole bunch of bonus videos that you get as a bonus. And the bonus videos are worth hundreds of dollars. So please do yourself the big favor of investing in your own personal development, your own professional development, your own spiritual development, because if you have a mission on this earth, let's say you're the next Jesus Christ, let's take the biggest possible great outcome for you. Jesus spoke. And if you want to have a message, anything between being being a hot dog vendor on the corner or Jesus Christ, somewhere in there is where you're going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and all of those messages require you to be able to speak. So invest $24.95 in your own message and your own potential. Learn how to play the speaking game. Learn how to speak better. Learn my seven-figure secrets, the secrets that allow me to have this seven-figure business with just my wife and myself, is that I speak and sell. And that's yeah, what I have my copy already ordered. It is being sent to my hotel in Chicago. I'm going nice. for uh, GKIC's Platinum Membership, where I pay about, I think it's thirteen or $14,000 a year to be a member of the Mastermind Group. Good for you. So I'm looking forward to digging into that book as soon as I arrive. Good for you, man. My wife was a member of the GKIC Platinum Program. There's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good people in there. And as you know, one of my mentors was the K in GKIC, Dan Mm -hmm, Kennedy. mm -hmm. He's the one who spoke in the arenas with 
Schwarzkopf and Colin Powell and George Bush and Donald Trump. And then we never spoke about Donald Trump. And let me just wrap this up. I know we got to wrap this up, but I want to say Donald Trump is a very interesting case. I do not believe that Donald Trump has that something special like Lady Gaga. Donald Trump has made himself. He has completely built himself from the ground up. I first read his book, The Art of the Deal, when I was a senior at Wharton in 1987. And he was promoting that book on local TV news and talk shows. I'm pretty sure I saw him on a local interview in Philadelphia. And he's been doing media and TV appearances and radio appearances and speaking engagements. And he worked himself up to be the highest paid speaker in the world, getting a million dollars for a speech or an appearance. Even Bill Clinton, when he was getting half a million dollars as a kickback from the Russians to get the uranium, even he only got paid half a million dollars for that special deal. Trump was getting a million because he was the greatest speaker in the world and he built it all up himself just by wanting it, seeing the vision that it was possible and creating it with hard work and years and years and years, decades and decades and decades of dedication to being a celebrity. So much so that he created his own reality series on TV. Ultimately, I want my reality series. I don't know that that's my next step. It may be my next step, but ultimately I'm going to have a reality series called Celebrity Entrepreneur where I go and change people into celebrity entrepreneurs for TV. So that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's a good thing. But congratulations on being part of the GKIC Platinum. And it's a great step and a great commitment for you. So good. Good on you, mate. I'm pretty excited about it. We have our first meeting coming up in, I think, two weeks or so. So that should be really exciting. Listen, Clint, I have one more question before I let you go, if you have time. I would really like to get your opinion about the differences between formal education opposed to working with mentors, because you do have a formal education background through Wharton Business School, but you've also spent a lot of time with people like Tony Robbins and Dan Kennedy and people that we just mentioned. That's a really interesting question. I honestly believe in the liberal arts education structure of American universities. I would advise anyone who is getting out of high school, go to a four-year liberal arts education. The reason I went to Wharton and the reason that I thought it was so valuable was that even though I was part of the Wharton Business School, I was still eligible to take up to 50% of my classes in the other schools of the university. So for example, in my senior year of college, I was taking mergers and acquisitions and I was taking another, another class called the game, which was a stock market simulation. Those were my Wharton classes. Then I was also taking oil painting. I was taking social stratification in America. That was about society. And I was taking nutrition. So in my senior year, I also took a class on playwriting. I really, really believe that going to college and taking a diverse group of educational curricula is a very important thing for any kid. And I would suggest that they do that rather than go to something like what my daughter did. She went to USC film school as an undergraduate. You know, I just don't see really the super benefit of that. 
When you're a little kid, what do you know? You don't know anything. I know when you're a little kid, you think you know it all, but really you don't know anything. And that's one of the great things that you have to learn in life. I know, I don't know everything. My wife says, what is this? What is that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, what do I know? I don't know anything. I don't, I don't know anything about most things, but what I know about getting on TV, I know. That I know. I know everything there is about how to get on TV. I know everything there is about how to position yourself as a celebrity entrepreneur. I know that. But I do know that when I was a little kid, I didn't know anything. And that's why it's really good to just get exposed to different ideas through a liberal arts education. It's very interesting because I don't have the university experience. I actually dropped out of high school at 15 years old. So I was in about grade nine or grade 10, I think. And I finished school and then traveled around the world for the next 20 years, visiting more than 75 countries. So I got a lot of my education through experiences and through reading. I'm a voracious reader, so I've read literally thousands of books and taken hundreds of different seminars and courses and classes. So it's interesting to hear your perspective about formal education, but not taking it for one specific thing, taking it for a variety of different reasons, like you mentioned, taking nutrition and art and things like this, which would give you exposure to different genres that maybe you wouldn't have normally in your life. Steve Jobs famously took calligraphy. Yeah, and look what it did for him. Yeah. The Apple products probably would not be the way they are if he did not take that class. Giving you all this power. And a lot of my development as an artist has helped me to do all the things I do. I told you, I don't have a staff. I don't even have a VA. I've been meaning, wanting, you know, in the process of trying to find a good VA to work for me, but I can't, haven't, haven't found the person yet. So I do my own Photoshop. I do my own design. I lay out my own brochures, as people would call them. I call them magazines. I do all of my own visual work, all of my own artistic layout work. And a lot of my success is due to the fact that I'm able to just get stuff done and be able to meet deadlines that I need to meet with something because something is better than nothing. And a lot of times that's really what it comes down to. If I was waiting on designers and artists and and technicians to deliver me websites and marketing materials, I'd miss most mm -hmm. of my deadlines. Luckily, I could do all this stuff myself because I've been working on expressing myself in words, in imagery, visually, with Photoshop, with Apple Pages. I lay out my magazines in Apple Pages. And that has enabled me to be very successful. And God bless all of these Macintosh products <laughs> and Apple products. Which, which give me the power to do all this stuff that I do because I create everything with Mac products, everything. I love it. Excellent interview. I am so thrilled to have you on, Clint. What a wealth of knowledge, just unbelievable. If people want to get a copy of the book, if people want to follow up on your website, where can they reach out to you? Speaking Game should be available anywhere. That's one of the reasons why I self-published it as a hardcover through the service that I use is that you should be able to find Speaking Game on any site. Although I do know it is available for sure on amazon.com and I would greatly appreciate anyone who is listening to this podcast and does get Speaking Game to post an honest, glowing review on Amazon. Would really, really appreciate that. And beyond that, once you get the Speaking Game, go to speakinggame.com so that you can get the free bonuses that I spoke about earlier and then 
if you want to check out how I am using all of my assets to position myself as a celebrity entrepreneur, go to Celebrity Entrepreneur, Clint Arthur's website, clintarthur.tv. And that's Clint, like Clint Eastwood, Arthur, like the king, dot TV, because I sincerely advise anyone who wants to stand out as being different and better than their customers, prospects, and competition to get themselves on television. I think that's going to be my 2018 goal. I think that'll be on my list of 20 things to do in 2018, as you advised, Clint. So I'll have to follow up with you myself and uh, hopefully some big things for me this year as well. Clint, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Boom. Hey, everyone. Mikkel here. I want to get some feedback from you, the listener. We're looking at ways that we can take the podcast in new directions, new guests that we want to have on the show, new ideas we want to share with you. So we have a lot of threads going for this at Expat Money Forum, our private Facebook group. If you go to expatmoneyforum.com, you can join the conversation. I want to hear feedback from you guys. What topics have we not covered that you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more stories from successful expats who have moved offshore? Do you want to hear more business-related stuff, more finance-related stuff? Are you more interested in immigration and visas and passports? Is it the investments or real estate? I want to know what you are interested in. This show is not about me. It is about you guys. It is about all of my amazing listeners and trying to help inspire you and get you the best up-to-date knowledge every single Wednesday when I publish this show. So join the conversation at Expat Money Forum. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear more about, how I can best serve you. It's really important to me to make this show the absolute best in our space. And I think we're off to a really good start podcast has been going for over four years now, which is just hard to believe. I, it seems like just yesterday I started it, and the feedback has been amazing. But there's always room to improve. There's always things we can do better. So share your knowledge, share your expertise, share what you want to hear, share your wants, your desires, your needs, your goals, everything with us at Expat Money Forum. I really appreciate it. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. 
But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.